The Damaged Goods Podcast. Say about uh, you know, just where I grew up with, and uh, or you know where I grew up, and just the yeah politics and the nature of that place that make it a really unique place in the United States. It's You're super not fascinating. The, not the first person I've known from there. I actually, well, the the uh, the gentleman's club at which I used to work at, oh, yeah. uh, we had this one dancer there sh- and she was from um from salt lake city and she was a white girl with like the fattest ass in there and a real one too it wasn't fake uh but she was from there and she was a mormon and then this other kind of attractive girl this black girl started working there and they were friends she's like oh that's my girl whatever from salt lake city too and and yeah. i'm like you are both mormons but they're dancing here you know at the strip yeah, club they're probably shit. hiding out down here yeah yeah and then i met another mormon girl who wasn't i mean she was raised Mormon, I don't know, you know, practicing as an adult, who's also from Salt Lake City, who also danced at the said strip club. And she was a, she said she was a virgin, though. She was saving herself for marriage. So she still maintained some of her Mormon values deep down, but was still dancing naked for money. Not judging. I'm not judging. Matt Handy, I'm not here to judge, man. Yeah. Damage Goods Podcast isn't the court. This isn't a federal indictment. We just, we're just observing. I'm just assessing the matter. How do you like your coffee? It's good. Uh, strong. Yeah, you can coffee. hear it. The listeners, you guys can hear the ice jingle jangle in your ears. Iced coffee, dude. You, I huge proponent of iced coffee. I am. I don't know. In Boston, we drink iced coffee even in the wintertime. Uh, really? Yeah. Yeah, from Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, I'd like to think I've grown, outgrown Dunkin' Donuts. It's not bad. The iced coffee's not bad, but it's not the best. No. It's cheap, though. They it have is. Good summer sales. Do they have it in Utah? Yeah, luckily we just got the Dunkin' Donuts. You just big, got it? I'm a big Dunkin's? fan of it. It's been there for a few years, but it was a big deal when it showed up. I remember um, when they first opened, the first one in L.A., I think like right when I moved here. It's on the west side. And friends of mine were like going like far distances in L.A. to go to it. I'm like, it's not that good, dude. And I think it reminds them of a home, I guess. Yeah. In Massachusetts, there's like there's literally one every block. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. Well, it's one of the only places I know of that will give you like a 32-ounce iced coffee. The, a that, big one. Yeah, the big ones are bigger than any coffee shop will Makes do. you piss like a motherfucker, dude. That yeah. and beer, dude. And beer. the caffeine in it is probably synthetic or something because there's a weird after effect with Dunkin' Donuts coffee they that you don't get from... <laughs> they say in cold <laughs> brew... Because, you know, iced coffee is this hot coffee, brewed hot, but made cold, chill. But cold brew, they say, is, is not only is it more potent with caffeine, but it's actually healthier for you. But the reason it's not common is because it's um, it, it takes a lot longer. That's why, you know, I don't brew cold brew coffee at home. I do a little French press. And my girlfriend has this little Dominican espresso machine. Yeah, those are great. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've yeah. never actually brewed cold coffee, but I drink it... Uh Every day in the summer and hot coffee in the winter. So. Hot coffee in the winter. Warm up your mitts, dude. Well, it's cold in that neck of the woods, dude. Salt Lake City. Oh, in Salt Lake City? It's no. good. Uh, it's I'm, in, I'm in L.A. right now. It's good That's to right. be out we of are. Salt Lake. Uh, the winter is a tough time to be in Salt Lake. It's brutal. It's cold. And uh, Salt Lake has really poor air quality this time of the year, <laughs> as most people don't know about. So, Dude, uh, that, that poor air quality hate in Salt Lake voice is my guest today. He is a he's a merchant. He's a modern international man business an online entrepreneur my man matt handy from salt lake city utah in los angeles though we're not live in utah what it do hello it hello do. Matt Handy's sporting you guys can't see it so you try to listen to his florida marlins hat is exceptional dude this guy's got on like a vintage florida marlins new era fitted like the bright what do you call Is it fuchsia? Turquoise? It's a teal. Teal! teal you blue. goddamn... Oh, Classic ah, Miami colorway. It is, yeah. And then your shades are... Uh, uh, these are vintage Versace orange orange sunglasses. So what I hope there's a, a visual for this. Oh, dude, the there's way. many visuals. We're zooming in. We're fucking zooming right now. Listeners, I just zoomed in on these vintage Versaces. I mean, one of the things Matt does as a merchant is, is one of your big... Biz is, is is the sunglasses game, dude. It is. I've uh, been selling sunglasses online for about the last eight years now, and um, sold a little bit of everything. It started with used camera equipment, and I've sold shoes, electronics, uh, a lot of clothing, fashion accessories. Sunglasses are uh, one of the best things I've ever sold. Sunglasses and hats. Is it because you love sunglasses, or did you just find out that you just knew how to rock that niche in, in that part of the business and really make money from it? Well, it is because I do like them, and I, I'll tell anyone that's starting an online business to find a product they like or something they relate to. Otherwise, you're just going to get bored with it real quick. 
But um, sunglasses are really great. They're expensive usually. They're easy to ship. So they, they kind of meet some requirements I have for like a basic formula of what I like to sell online. And most of that is, uh, you know, products with decent profit margin that are lightweight, easy to ship. Mm. So I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You probably save a gang on shipping because you're shipping something that's, although it's expensive, it's, it's small and oh, it's Oh, yeah, light. it's 2 to $3 to ship or, you know, it's un- well under $5 to ship in the United States where a pair of shoes can be, you know, 15 to $18 to ship. And, like, I know a lot of kids in the that were really into the sneaker thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you were at one point? Yeah, I still, I still am. Um, I still work with a local store in Salt Lake and pick up a lot of their dead stock. And uh, just, you know, if they have a few extra pairs of a popular shoe that didn't sell, I usually throw those online. And uh, that, that game's been changing uh, drastically the last few years. I've mainly for sold better on or eBay. For worse? Um, it's hard to say. It's, there's a lot more opportunity out there, but there's a lot more competition. Um, I would say for better. You just have to adapt. And uh, websites like StockX make it really easy. I hate to, you know, give a free plug to StockX, but <laughs> this episode of Damage Goods brought to you yeah, by StockX. There's a lot of opportunity, like, and you can just get on that app and see how much a pair of shoes is selling for. And you know, I've even been in a Nike outlet before, you know, with a 30% off discount coupon and bought eight pairs of shoes that I'm literally selling in the parking lot 10 minutes after you checking out. You in the parking lot. Damn, that's like, some But shit. on my phone, you know, now I have to take them to the post office, but I see what they're selling for and there's a buyer already waiting and as soon as you hit accept on the offer price, they're, uh, you know, the, the deal is done. So are you, when you sell the sunglasses, because from what I understand, and I could be wildly mistaken, dude, uh, you're, you're importing a lot of them, right? So are you doing them like, you're not doing them from a website, the sunglasses of yours, you're doing them from like those other middleman sites kind of, right? Yes. Um, so mainly with the sunglasses, I found other liquidators. And one of the best way that I've uh, been able to find people is actually just scouring eBay or Amazon and finding suppliers with the lowest price. A lot of like flash sale discount websites will have. And they're selling uh, multiple pairs. You oh, buy like one at a time from um, these guys. I try to buy as many of the exact same product as I can. Oh, so you're bulking up. Yeah, you bulk up. You do the work once, and then you hope that you can sell the same pair a hundred times or more. Um, uh, so yeah, I've literally had hundreds of the exact same pairs of sunglasses, hundreds of the exact same hat, thousands of the exact same hat, actually. <laughs> is that Marlin one? Yeah, which is, the, which is the Marlin hat story, which we can get to in a minute because it's one of the most eccentric. Uh, you just get tons of them. Dude, you sent me, Matt Handy sent me a package like a year and a half ago, maybe like 20 Kangles in there. Yeah. Because I wear like scally caps and Kangles a lot, so yeah, thank it's, you. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. You're one of the few people I knew that was rocking Kangles How before did, I got they, into the Kangol business. Oh, they, did you just come across those? So you just I, sometimes come across shit you don't need to serve I do. Purpose? I have a bit of a reputation for being the person that will buy things other people won't. Um, so a lot of the stuff that I actually sell are things that other people fail to sell or you know, tried to sell online through Amazon or their own website and they haven't done it. And I, you know, I'm, I'm eating the crumbs. I, I will sell anything on eBay. I'll bulk things together. You know, I'll list a hundred things, you know, a hundred random hats together and sell that to somebody online for two to $300. And, you know, the price per unit on that's only a couple dollars a hat, but, uh, you know, it's a good way to move things. How or why are you able to sell what they can't sell? And you're taking it in bulk off their hands. Wouldn't they probably be like, Oh yeah, sucker, take this. But then you go and flip it and make the profit. Why? Well, well I, think, I think finding the marketplace is different. A lot of people won't sell on eBay. For some reason, eBay is looked at as a, kind of the garage sale of the internet. So a lot of Amazon sellers or people with their own websites will stay away from that. They look um, down on it. Yeah, they look down on it. It also takes a lot of time as far as sitting on product. I've, I've had product that's taken me over five years to sell through. And I don't think a lot of people will do that. They're looking Patience. for the quick the Yeah, quick you got sale. the long game, dude. Slow yeah. jerk. Slow slow and steady wins the race. I think with, with a good salesman, a good businessman, that's that's it takes a vision and patience. But you, that's like, I just sold a bunch of music equipment that took me a while, mm-hmm. but I still got my asking price for it. If you're looking for the quick fix, yeah, it's, so, it's tough. So I find those people that want a quick buck or they paid a great price for something or just want to wash their hands of it. And... Um, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll sit on things for a while. I think photography is really important. I'm still really old school with that. I, meaning, oh, I mean the photos of the products. Yeah, the photos of the products. I photograph everything myself, which is actually how I got into this uh, online world, is I got into this through studio photography and photographing products. You were a photographer? I was. Right oh, out of shit. Yeah, right out of college, I uh, moved to New York and with what? dreams I didn't of, know about this. With dreams of being a photographer. And there's a lot of great stories of that, Dude, but wow. that led me to what I'm doing today. And, um, yeah, I spent two years in New York City photographing used camera equipment uh, with a Hasidic Jewish-owned business. Shouts out Adorama Camera and all the people in the used camera department. Dude, I have a lot of uh, photographer friends. A lot of them have been on this podcast. Some, a lot of them live or do live currently in New York City, and mm -hmm. I know that company. Yeah. So and, uh, yeah, it's fuck, that's crazy. I didn't know that about you. Yeah, they're a great, uh, great institution, one of the bigger stores in New York for camera equipment. Yeah. So yeah, they taught me a lot about uh, selling online, and they don't know what kind of monster they created, dude. They don't. They Frank, uh, Doctor Frankenstein, your Frankenstein. Yeah, I'm a, I'm 11 years deep in this, doing this on my own. Slanging, yeah. independent businessman, merchant. That's a pretty cool title. Back in the day, there was like kings, queens, knights, court jesters, peasants, and then merchants. Mm -hmm. It was like the only kind of middle class thing that was like better than being a peasant, but you necessarily weren't a knight, and you weren't a king or a queen. Yeah, and I, cool. I I think about that too, especially with the, when it comes to traveling and being able to yeah, dude. go all over the United States. You're getting States spices or, from the east and yeah. fabrics from the west and all kinds of shit. Yeah, You're bringing horses people, over places. Having these great experiences, that's the real uh, thing that keeps me going with this is all the people I've met through this and just situations and places I find myself in that I wouldn't uh, normally like Chinese be connect. Yeah, I've been to China on two different occasions. I've been to manufacturing factories. I've child labor. Is it real? Uh, yeah, it is real. Uh, oh shit! I was totally joking with that funny no. semi-serious segue, but we have unveiled the the, yeah, the curtain. Um, to be honest, it is real. I was totally joking. Yeah. joking. I didn't mean to take it on this tangent, <laughs> dude. But I mean, I, this is interesting, though. It is interesting. So you've been in factories of a large scale. Semi-large, I would say actually more medium-sized, maybe uh, just a few hundred employees. Just a few, that's a lot of Yeah, big, big for and anything happening in the United States. Is this sweatshoppy? Yeah, I've seen, uh, I think when I was in China, I was in four or five different factories that all made different pieces of sunglasses. So one factory just made nose pads, another place nose just pads. made hinges, like, you know, the metal hinges on a glass or the nose pads oh, oh, wow. on a pair of glasses. And um, I went to China in hopes of actually making my own pair of sunglasses or starting a small sunglass brand. And when Ooh. I got home from that trip, it was a lot more confusing about how everything's made and manufactured and distributed. Um, so I, I came back and kind of went back to the drawing board on that idea after witnessing some of the things I did there and getting a better understanding of how manufacturing works, uh, at least in that sector. But I went to the city of Wenzhou, China, in the Zhigang province. It's a few hundred miles south of Shanghai. And it's a fascinating city because it makes the majority of the world's sunglasses and reading glasses and cigarette lighters. Mm. So almost all the factories there are, you know, in these industries. And uh, one of the factories I went to was really, actually really nice. It reminded me of a high school. Everyone was wearing the same uniform. Um, but they also lived and worked in the same factory. So, that sounds like uh, you know, a, blast. a bell went off and it was, you know, your 15 minute break for tea or lunch hour. And the people I thought it was interesting, most of the people there were really young and they're like late teens, early 20s. So it did remind me of almost like a dormitory or a college type setting. Um, and then the worst factory I went to that I definitely had some issues with was it really was a sweatshop there were not even enough chairs or workstations for the employees to be at so there was actually people sitting on a concrete floor doing the same jobs as other people who had chairs Jeez. Uh, the irony of it was that a lot of people were using grinding wheels and tools like this without eye protection but they're making oh i'm sure they're not yeah they're making glasses they're making glasses without <laughs> basic eye protection it's not funny but it's 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 not funny and the uh, irony though is is remarkable and i mean to be honest part of the reason i went to china was to get a better understanding of where stuff is made and where stuff comes from and and to check these conditions out myself and i think there's a misnomer or a you know misunderstanding that a lot of sweatshop labor is just uh 
you know, boring, monotonous work at long hours. It's dangerous, dude. It's absolutely dangerous, and the conditions of as far as the fumes and the heat inside this factory was oh, probably dude. 100 degrees in one of these yeah. factories. It and just smelled like molten plastic or, or, you know, some sort of alloy that's... Uh, definitely causing some kind of... Uh, uh, repercussions years down the line yeah physical repercussions and uh even though i didn't see any underage like child labor things there were actually children in one of these factories that were sleeping in almost kind of like a daycare facility where their oh, parents were working. uh working and the children were you know also in this factory that just reeked of uh you know chemicals or some sort of manufacturing process i mean the, the employees are essentially guinea pigs for the chemicals and byproducts of the factory yeah. i mean you saw this in america before you know unions and things came into power and in any country yeah. with industry it's the way the the industry and the corporations make their money is, is cutting corners and stepping on toes and bypassing regulations that were good for the workers but cost those guys money exactly. and, and the, they got no voice the workers there so you know fucking cut those corners is what the corporations think and they do and um the real Impunity. the real shocking thing about this is that um you know the quality of these factories um also is like the quality of the product so these you know these jobs that are really um violating these people's rights or you know taking advantage of these people are actually just making dollar store products these are yeah, cheap shitty stupid stupid things you know a pair of sunglasses you couldn't even sell for five dollars so not only was i really bothered by the working conditions i saw the um the product they were actually manufacturing wasn't even something that i had any use for so it was really disappointing uh to you know to see that uh, it just seemed like such a waste does it like so when you were considering doing your own brand, mm -hmm. I mean, when you saw this kind of stuff and these conditions, did it make you think, if I follow through with my own design brand, I want it to be made in a factory by people that I, I kind of can place my faith in to not go with these conditions and kind of uphold some kind of standard, right? You wanted to be like ethical at yeah, some level. Definitely, but I think uh, it's a bit of a a slippery slope because it's it's uh, everyone kind of protects their middleman's position, so you never really know fully where everything's sourced or where everything's from. Yeah, so he can from. kind of do it in the secret, make a bigger cut on his end, perhaps, yeah. and that way you have no idea what the factory's like, right? Yeah, it'd be exactly. I actually uh, ah, kind of pushed. Fucks. I kind of pushed. Uh, you know the my interest in checking out some of these factories because I they were like, did they were getting upset. They yeah, want they, you to expose it on something like damage goods podcast, blow the lid off exactly. the whole scandal. And it was funny because when I got there, they actually didn't take me to any of the factories where I was oh, sourcing course. my stuff from. They took you to the nice ones where like everyone's smiling and they're playing Christmas music and shit. I no. I, I imagine some of the stuff I get is not from a similar working condition. Uh, you know, I'm not going to lie about that, but it was also something that, no, they will never reveal their source because they don't want to be undercut or cut out of the. Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, that's what people do in the black market. Yeah. Which is and not just with illicit substances in the black market, but even like goods like we're talking about in mm -hmm. the black market, because that middleman holds a unique position. Because most of the time, a middleman in any business, in my perspective, most of the time, when you boil it down, they're useless. But the, the what the leverage they have or the power they hold is. They are the connecting piece between maybe a manufacturer and the customer, or the the the, the passageway from product to consumer. They hold and they control that mystery element of where it's made, things like that. And only through that are they able to make money. And in so many successful cases, when the the producer of a product has been able to cut out a middleman, go to the source, like you could take drugs for some instance, or food, or chefs and stuff like that. You you maximize your profit because you're cutting out this person whose position is. If you can cut around them and find out where they're getting it, then you don't need them. They're irrelevant. Exactly. They really have no other skill. You you make so much money. Like in what's the, like this is a bad example. Uh, American Gangster. It was on a hotel room the other day. Not mm -hmm. a great movie to be honest with you. It ends very anticlimactically. But anyway, Frank Lucas makes all his money instead of buying heroin in bulk from the Italian mafia who's already importing it through the French and stuff. He's going right to fucking Southeast Asia and getting it. So his profits are going to go through the roof. Exactly. That's uh, so. That's uh, what I attempted to do, and um, it was worth going. And I definitely learned a lot. And I'd encourage anyone to travel to China. But coming home from that trip, I really reevaluated what I was doing and started focusing more on purchasing goods within the United States, especially name brand products uh, that I, you know, I 
I didn't have to start my own brand because I was now selling, you know, say Oakley sunglasses or Nike shoes or new era hats. And so I was really searching for um, these types of things that I knew sold really well and trying to find them at great prices. And that's actually, you know, there's actually a lot more money in that as far as buying liquidated items and uh, finding really good supply lines rather than, uh, you know, dealing with a lot of competition of uh, unbranded items that you can source from China. Now, like when you went back to making making sure you're buying products that were produced, say, in America stuff, which I've, I've always been a big proponent of companies or businesses doing that, not because it's like, yeah, America, but, but because it benefits people here that you can the you know the workers people get more money from it it might cost you a little more but it's a little more ethical because you at least you'd like to imagine the corners are being cut less but anyway my question was did it did it affect your profit margins because it, usually that's why companies go outsource shit to other countries because they can bypass tariffs and costs and unions and things like that and make more money did it affect your money this way it's a good question i um well, I continued, uh, you know, selling the stuff I was importing from China for a number of years until that just kind of got saturated. I started importing stuff from China in 2011, basically from just messaging people off of Alibaba and you know similar Chinese What's supplier Alibaba? websites. Alibaba is a know, global marketplace. It's uh, you know you can get on there and buy literally any product in the world and find people that claim to represent these this factories in China. This is not like a dark web thing, is it? No, no, absolutely not. You can just get on alibaba.com. It's one of the biggest uh, webs. I believe the owner of it uh, is one of the richest people in China, if not the richest uh, Chinese billionaire. So it's oh. uh, yeah, Alibaba. It's uh, it's tough though, but I I recommend people get on there and send a bunch of emails and see what comes back and then see. Uh, See what other products people can have. Maybe something that's not being advertised a hundred times because it's really it's really hard to try to find a product in China and resell it somewhere online without rebranding it yourself or uh, having some sort of niche market. So you like with all like the the extra stock you have, like like the Florida Marlins hat you talking mm -hmm. about, for instance. You said hundreds of them or thousands of them. Yeah, the Florida Marlins hat. Uh, I bought over fifty six hundred of the exact same. five thousand six hundred. Yes. Now different sizes. Yes, they're all, all faded that hats. teal color. Teal, the solid teal blue Dude, hat like with the F on it. With a the Florida lot Marlin. of fucking hats, bro. It is. It was eighteen hundred pounds of hats when eighteen hundred pounds of New Era hats. Yeah, when it showed up in a semi truck, it was eighteen hundred pounds of hats, and I bought this uh, <laughs> actually off of someone that I found on eBay. There was a guy that had a listings. 2,500 Marlin hats for twenty five hundred dollars. A dollar a fitted. I saw, yeah, a dollar a fitted. This is a great deal. So I messaged him asking, "Do you really have this many hats?" He told me I have at least twice as many. If you're interested in them, I'll sell them to you for $2,500. I was curious about the condition, the authenticity. Um, you know, where did he get these? You have to ask yourself a lot of questions when, when going into something like this because you don't want to sell, you know, a counterfeit product or yeah. something that's damaged. If a deal's too good to be true, it usually is. Um, so I bought a hundred hats off of him for two hundred dollars. So now two dollars. Tested out the waters, hats. right? Tested out the, wa Business, the waters. Man. What a merchant! You're a good merchant. They showed man. up. They looked great. I photographed them, threw them on eBay real quick. A few sold within a week, and I thought, all right, let's do this. And I sent the guy a payment and worked out shipping and had the semi truck in Salt Lake. About the a semi truck. A semi truck. <laughs> so many fucking hats. Yeah, I learned. I had to go through the process of. Do you have a warehouse to, for all your goods? I do. I have a small. Uh, oh what? I do. I have a small office space in downtown Salt Lake City. Fucking it's, baller, uh, dude! Next time I'm there, we gotta go. Oh, it's great. It's uh. You know, I like to tell people that I have an office downtown, and uh, you do. That's pretty cool. some of my some of my haters will tell me I have a windowless basement in a pizza restaurant. <laughs> but it's still downtown. It's it is an office space. Yeah, it's secure. It's perfect for me. It's about four hundred square feet. I was going to ask, uh, like, where you know, if you buy fifty six hundred hats and say the first three months you only sell five hundred, yeah. where do the other fifty one hundred hats go? Because your apartment can't be that big. Because you not just have these hats, you probably have sneakers and tons and tons of sunglasses. Great question, Jake. I did. That's I, all I have. I up had here, to dude. find Great some questions. warehouse space, and I'm lucky that I have a a good friend from high school whose father owns a furniture warehouse. So I got some. Uh, I got some discounted storage space, and I would go nice. there every couple of months and fill up the trunk of my car with hundreds of Marlin hats. Do you have it like inventory, like outline, like so you easily can find things when you need to go grab a bunch yeah, of hats? Yeah, it's, it's really important right. to be organized. So I broke them down. 
uh, by size and and the colorway. But to be honest, I never counted them because when they showed Dude, up, it's a lot of fucking hats. When man. I showed up, I looked at how many hats it was and said, "All right, this is it. This is a great deal." So I kind of counted them on the back end. Um, reviewing the sales and uh, just looking at it. It took me over five years to sell all of them, but I'm happy that I sold them all. That's a long game, dude. That's yeah. that's smart, though, because you felt confident that with your track record of selling all your other products, and I'm sure you sell some shit that goes fast as fuck, right? Yeah, some definitely. Glasses, probably. And sometimes when stuff sells too fast, you almost worry you sold it too quick. Yeah, too cheap. And I, Yeah, too cheap, and uh, I, I find people that are selling things like that. For instance, there will be a, a seller online who... On eBay, you can see someone's sale history. So if you see them selling a pair of sunglasses for a lot cheaper, maybe half the price that they should be, and they've sold 500 pairs of these in the last like month, you know that this is a good buy. Yeah. So you'll so I would buy um, sunglasses from people in bulk, and then after a while of just relisting them and selling them for higher once their supply ran out, um, you know, build a relationship like that, and then you know do the uh the forbidden off ebay sale which is something ebay doesn't what, what want does you to mean? do forbidden um, off ebay sale it's, after you do one transaction on a sale you you'll get someone's email address and so you contact them directly outside of the ebay system so ebay doesn't get their oh, cut of cut the, the sale middle, cutting the middleman out Way to tie middle it in that, so Andy. ebay is the middleman and uh alibaba this is another great way to do it too and i don't know how alibaba makes any money because everybody's Everyone on that site's information is accessible. You can just copy and paste an email and be outside of their system. Where at eBay, you can actually face suspension for trading things like phone numbers. How and would they know that? How would they catch you? They have a, a monitoring system through their messaging, and I suspect they look so, at. So, oh, if they see if you messaged one of the other people. Yeah, and I've actually got suspensions uh, for that and oh, uh, warning you messages. Yeah, even something as sim similar as sending your phone number, they'll. Uh, they'll shut down your account for a week. They don't do any fines, but it's uh, the threat of account suspension, which equates to a fine because you're out of business for the, the suspension. Fuck, yeah. Yeah. You know, like I, I've used this, you probably know about these, it's, yeah, offer up and let go. Exactly. I use those for selling music equipment. Yeah, offer up especially is very good for music equipment. I don't know why. That's what somebody mm -hmm. told me. I just sold like, you know, microphones, amplifiers, guitars, shit like that. But, uh, you know, it was like, you know, you're, you're, my boy was like, you know, I've been selling on here for a while, so my reputation's good, so people are, you know, trustworthy. And exactly. like, you have to build a little profile. And that's not, I'm not like I'm like anything like you. I was just doing it to get rid of shit, cleaning the house basically, mm -hmm. but making money off it. But it was like, you know, you'd supply this information and then you have to meet up eventually, though, right? This is not what you do, but like, okay. so these, like, I don't, I make it so it's like, yo, I'm selling this guitar amp, pickup only. Like, I'm not yeah. driving to fucking Pasadena for this shit. So, you have to have eventually they have to come to you so you put your location on there mm -hmm. i don't know if this i never used ebay or anything but, but you know because you're shipping stuff right yeah. so i put my location i don't put where my street address is i put roughly the in the neighborhood the main uh, boulevard intersections perhaps okay and then when it comes go time like yes you're gonna come over and buy this guitar for 600 bucks i'll give you my address because like yo this motherfucker's coming to the house exactly and when you're selling to music people like some some of these people are cool and normal some of them are like weird ass music motherfuckers oh, yeah. dude now you know where the fuck i live but hey man i wasn't gonna drive to silver lake so you know. exactly and uh yeah i prefer to ship everything even if someone lives in but the same business. city you're like a real business i'm just a guy exactly you know? yeah i i i feel like just a guy too though i don't feel like Aww. i've got a real business most days because dude uh, well so you do casual. this on, on such a grand scale but like like a, a lot of artists like myself and whether people are musicians, mm -hmm. writers, dancers, actors, whatever, you know, you're especially that it's your business and you run it. You're not working for somebody else. You make money based on it's not not how hard you work per se, but it, do you have a good week? Did you buy a good batch of sunglasses? Is mm -hmm. it a good month? Is it it's, is it a downtime? Is it tax season? Is it holidays? And your money's not coming on a constant basis in, in, in certain intervals, but it comes spikes, peaks, valleys, things like that. Right. It's it's that's a whole other skill no one teaches you ever is how to like be able to survive like that. Yeah, it's it's stressful. It can be uh, with the Marlin hat thing, even though that was uh, it worked out to about 75 cents a hat or something. So I was it cost you 75 cents. a hat. Yeah. So I was really in that, you know, probably around three thousand dollars or so when it was all said and done. And, you know, I had to buy a bunch of shipping boxes. That was another crazy story is buying. You must buy tons of boxes. Yeah, buying boxes in bulk and having another semi-truck pull up in front of my apartment building, <laughs> expecting a loading dock and dropping, you know, uh, you know, 2,000 seven by seven by seven cardboard square boxes off, off of pallets and just in the middle of the street. 
so there's a lot of adventure with this, but um, that took me seven months to regain my my you know my initial investment, and mm -hmm. a lot of people thought you're gonna lose money. So yeah, there's been times where I haven't hit, I haven't made money for months on end, and then when you make big money, yeah, and then day. once it's all listed, or maybe the holiday season, or with sunglasses and and hats, the spring and summer does really well. Um, you can luck out, say. Um, you know, this year, for instance, I had a lot of Toronto Raptors hats, and they went and took the championship, and I sold. <laughs> you, oh, so you had them before the championship? Oh yeah, I had them. I did had, you buy them in anticipation, or did this just happen to be dumb luck? I just bought uh, a lot of a different vision. hats. Yeah, I just came across the guy. Actually, this guy messaged me, telling me that he heard I was the guy to talk to about selling hats, and that hey, he, yo, I heard you. To, you to cut yeah, the hat and he recently came into um, a lot of over thirty thousand baseball hats. From a storage auction or some sort of liquidation auction. Any Red Sox hats? I did have some Red Sox hats. They were actually yeah, biggest sellers, right? Yeah, they were actually pretty cool. They were uh, camouflage, so they were red hats with camouflage pattern all over them. So yeah, I saw a lot of really loud products. You know, bright colored things, things that don't sell very well. But sometimes you luck out and you are sitting on a bunch of product that the team ends up winning the championship, and you'll you'll sell more in a week than you did in the last six months. That's so, the craziest shit. So wow, those Raptor hats flew off the racks. Oh dude. yeah, everything. Even Toronto Blue Jay hats were selling really well during that week. Toronto was uh, getting a lot of love. I, you know, it's crazy. Like, uh, not crazy, but I wanted to show you. I don't even want to talk about it on here. I'm selfish. It's like I have two great vintage sunglasses dudes in LA. Okay. One guy is, actually has a shop, and this other dude goes to flea markets and does them and makes his own. Um, he has some titanium frames, and he has like different, like a hard plastic one. I'll show them to you, but they're okay. nice. And it's, I like shit that's like different, you know. Uh, I mean, you're a man of exquisite sunglasses taste. Uh, but I got to show you, I would, I don't, I usually like to shout out people giving business on here, but mm -hmm. then you motherfuckers are going to come around dressed like me. So I'm trying to minimize <laughs> the, the copycatting. Uh, but I'll tell you off air. And, uh, while you're still in town, I, you know, if I can't go with you, I'd like to send you there and I'll show you a couple of the pairs I have from the, these two different dudes. Yeah. Let's go sunglass shopping, Jake. No, I see. That's the thing I don't need to be doing is any more of that. I'm trying to chill out. I mean, I love <laughs> it. We, I'd love to go. I mean, fuck it. We can go. We'll spend some money on some glasses, but for sure. I try to trim my habits down. But you know what? Sunglasses, especially living in California, way more necessary than the East Coast. I guess where you're from is pretty sunny most of the time. It so. is, yeah. But, and uh, so you you more reason to have more pairs. And it's inter it's interesting to see where people are buying sunglasses, especially year round. I saw a lot of sunglasses at places like Florida, Puerto Rico, California, yeah, especially. Course, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's really fascinating to see how product products styles. are regionally. Yeah, and there's there's certain kinds I like, but they don't look good on my face. You know, so you gotta find what fits for you. Like I know what kind of frames really work for me, and what mm -hmm. don't after years of it, and you just gotta find that. I love like different styles, man. These there, there's a lot of really like fancy flea markets in LA. You know, I would hesitate to even call them flea markets. Really, mm -hmm. they're borderline trade shows, even though they're outside in a parking lot. Okay. But those are the places where sometimes like that's where one of these guys I told you he only does those kind of things. I met him. He's like an older, you know, he's probably like his mid fifties. This older Latino dude, and man, his shit's fire. Yeah. And so, like, I can wear these dope glasses and get compliments, and people don't know where I got them. Where I might come in with like some YSL shades or something. They're dope, but there's a chance if someone else went to a Barney's in France or New York, they could have the same one, which is no big deal. But I do like unique things. You know, more unique. Yeah. You know, because people are like, oh, that's so dope. Where'd you get it? I was like, you'll never find it. So, okay, fuck off my uh, yeah, places like that are great, especially for one time finds. Um, yeah, vintage sunglasses have really grown in popularity the last few years, and uh, I don't I don't think that's going to slow down. So I'm going to try to stay in the sunglass business. I lost a pair of these vintage Dior f frames that uh, ex girlfriend bought me when we lived in Manhattan, and I lost them to another ex girlfriend in a move out breakup. I left. I didn't remember leaving much behind, <laughs> and I got a box in the mail like a week later. Not even of like some basketball shorts, some sandals, some slides, like some extra shit. The Dior frames were not in there. Oh, I, don't, I didn't pay for them in the first place, but dude, you couldn't. These are probably from the seventies, eighties. Okay. They were the fucking shit. You'll never find them again. Probably not. Touche, ex girlfriend. You, know. you came up on those. I hope your new man likes them or you're wearing them. You can always put them to use. You can always spend some time searching on eBay, and you might get lucky. Oh, dude, I don't even know what they were called. I mean, what kind of what the the model was? I mean, they were fucking old. My girl at the time, this is like two thousand and eight, bought them for me at some uh, vintage shop in Soho, and uh, they were just the shit. Guys, girls, when you break up with your significant other, double, triple check the house before you say those words. It's over. 
you gotta make sure you got your shit. You might not always get it in a box four days later. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Facts. Man. Facts. And I remember, like when I was younger too, I don't, I didn't value sunglasses. I'd even buy like fake blue leg night, like you know, mm-hmm. Gucci ones that were like five bucks. And um, somebody, you know, I have light eyes. You do too. I have green eyes. You have what? Blue. Yeah. Right. So people with lighter eyes, it's more important to wear sunglasses for UV protection. So when you're buying those cheap, cheap ones. There's no UV protection. I mean, I'm not telling you this. You know all this, but yeah. Uh, and so I started investing, and I remember like my buying my first pairs of like expensive sunglasses when I started making more money. It's like, oh my god, I'm gonna drop two hundred dollars on this. Then I end up going down the line. You're throwing three, four, five hundred dollars on sunglasses, six hundred dollars, and not always. You can get some dope ones for uh, ninety, a hundred bucks, but mm-hmm. I started to spend money. But the really realization was that a, it's protecting my eyes better, but they're gonna last long unless you're an idiot and you leave them on the top of your car and or sit on them and shit. You know, I've never broken a pair. Thank God. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's tough. Um, I actually wear prescription eyewear, which is something that I've are those. Only- Prescription, those Versace's? Yeah, they are. You, I'm not going to put them on. I don't want to hurt my head. I just want to see them. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, my sunglasses are, uh, I, I would hate to lose a Actually, pair. Actually, you know what? They're not terribly thick at all. No, yeah, I have a very light prescription, but I need it, you know, especially driving at night. And uh, I like wearing sunglasses even in the evening. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I'm the weird I, guy in the grocery store with some sunglasses on. I have a lot of, like, the lenses that aren't dark mm-hmm. that I can wear, like, maybe not at, like in a club at night, but say we're at an outdoor restaurant and it starts to get dim they're not like too super dark so they'll kind of almost look like the lens changing kind joints what are those called uh, transition lenses. they almost look like that but they're not and i'll show them to you i have a few okay. pairs of like that and i'll do that for those times where you're out in the daytime or the evening when the sun is like a fucking beam of light in your eyeballs and then all of a sudden it's dark you know you got to have them so you know what i used to i used to um i had lasik like 2012 i used to have bad eyes for, for, for far away, right? Okay. Like reading road signs and shit. So uh, when I would drive, okay, I had my glasses, but now it's fucking sunny out, so I need sunglasses. So what I first used to do is I'd have my regular glasses on and I'd buy like a bigger pair of sunglasses and put them over my glasses while I drove. Yeah. I'd have on two pairs. Then I started getting like prescription lenses for my sunglasses, but they got to pop out the lenses, put the new ones in. So now I've just dropped a lot of money on my prescription sunglasses. But then when I got the LASIK, I had to pop all the prescription lenses out and put back the original lenses in my sunglasses, which I like better because now I can wear all these different sunglasses. I don't have to have six prescription glasses. It's expensive for sunglasses. Yeah, you know? it definitely is. And I've Double never, glasses. And I've never worn contacts either. So, I hate contacts, dog. You know, that's a remedy too. You can wear contacts, you wear contacts with uh, regular sunglasses. I think I've just been kind of freaked out about putting uh, something yeah, in my eye like you. that. Same these, bro. If I probably... I'd probably like them if I actually tried them, but I, I just I think tried, I'm a little sketched out by it. Dude, I tried when I was like 19. I don't mm-hmm. know, a, maybe, you know, adult male. And uh, the doctor's trying to do it. And like, dude, I just have such tight reflexes. I'm pulling my head away, closing my eye. And this guy's getting fucking so frustrated. He's trying to contain it in his little doctor suit, like being all professional, but I can see him. And I'm so, I can't help that my reflexes are incredible, but I just won't let this stranger put this shit in my eye. And he goes, okay. You know what? Maybe these aren't for you. Uh, I was trying to get you up for some glasses. So I just rock glasses into yeah. the LASIK. I just couldn't do it, putting the shit in my fucking eyeball. I can't, I can't do it, get and I don't want to. I don't want to be that person that lost a contact. And, and now you're half blind. Yeah, half blind, freaking out like you just lost your wedding ring on the ground or something. You know. Plus, glasses look cool. I liked wearing them. I just didn't like if I was like watching TV in bed or on the couch. You don't want to fall asleep and break them. Or uh-huh. the the issue with the sunglasses glasses thing. That was a pain in my ass. But uh, one, the LASIK was best in fact, one of the best investments I ever made, dude. Yeah, I probably will do LASIK sometime. For uh, for one reason or another, I'm planning on doing that sometime later. I think maybe like in my 40s, I'll do LASIK. I'll be halfway there and get yeah. my eyes touched up. I mean, as a man who who's in the realm of the glasses, dude. Mm-hmm. The glasses. I, yeah, I, I rock sunglasses out most. Like we just, Matt Handy and I just walked to get some ramen. And, you know, it's like middle of the day, Los Angeles sun's out. You, you can't just go out. Even if you're not driving, you've got to bring glasses with you because you're going to need them, dude, until about 6, 5, 30, whatever, depending on the time of year. Yeah, I'll, I'll Driving head, without them? I'll head back to the house if I forget my sunglasses. You know, it's, a, it's an essential You keep a pair thing. in the car. I leave a pair in the car at all times. I, I have done that, but, you know, speaking of sunglasses that you loved and have lost, uh, mm-hmm. I've had my car broken into and, oh. and lost one of my favorite pair of sunglasses, which were uh, some... Also, vintage Gucci sunglasses oh! with uh, like sky blue lenses that were oh! perfect to drive sky in. Sky blue. 
Yeah, they're really beautiful. But someone somewhere out there is this back is, in Salt Lake City. It was in Salt Lake City, you know. I was, you know, I mean, L.A. There's definitely smash and grabs. Thank God I've never had that happen. My gut, my snake sense tingles and tells me that in Salt Lake City, there's a lot of smash and grabs. This this was a professional. Oh, job. They, they didn't there crack was, a window. This is like they they slim jim the door. They slim jim the door. The the foam liner of my door was actually damaged, so they probably put a coat hanger or some sort of hook in there and mm. popped the lock. But they basically detailed my car. They stole every scrap of paper. They stole my front license plate. What? Which Why was, would you want anyone else's license plate? I have no idea. It was it was in the glove box. They stole the car manual. They stole <laughs> everything. They stole all the change. <laughs> Uh, Sorry, the they car yeah manual. they stole dirty laundry they took it all and wow. I thought who who would have done this personal you know? nothing Got too personal enemies? no oh not really I don't think anyone that would break into my car and steal <laughs> I my, don't even want the car manual to my own car but that was a really rough thing I actually had to do a police report oh. on that too because I was worried that someone's gonna be driving around with my license plate on their that's car that's the weirdest part usually you don't steal when you steal a car not yeah. that I've ever stolen a car but when you do you don't want the plates right? no. unless you're like gonna ditch it after a job or something yeah that's what I was worried it was gonna happen to my plate use it know? for a crime yeah, yeah that's actually you know what then they might have so, used it for a crime I'm but like, I'm surprised at that point if you're not taking you're taking everything in a car you didn't take the car to chop it, you know? That's what I would figure. They just taking the whole goddamn thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they, I mean, crackheads will break in your, or tweakers in your neck of the woods will break in for like the change and shit. I've seen for that sure. happen. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen that too. And um, I'm also someone that has nothing in their car. Like, you know, I don't, I don't even leave like Except my, for some s- fucking Gucci vintage Yeah, I'll, I'll keep that stuff in the glove box or the center console, but I'm not, you know, I'll never leave like a bag in my car or anything because there's been... Never, bro. Yeah. It's not worth it, There's dude. been so many times where I've... Uh, Unless you lock it in the trunk for a little bit. Exactly. You know, I've come outside and a handful of cars on the street have been broken into yeah. and people are saying, oh my God, my laptop got stolen. Who the fuck does that? Yeah. Not, yeah I mean, look, that sucks. I've had it happen to friends. I never leave my laptop in the fucking car unless I'm parking it like in someone's driveway or, or exactly. you know, I'm in a fucking really nice neighborhood. You have to think like a thief. You're like really nice you know, neighborhood. Yeah, think th- like a thief. thief. Thank you. Thieves aren't walking around just breaking into every car window wondering no, if something's the in there. Ones. They yeah. look in it first. I, when I lived in New York, you know the club. Mm-hmm. Listen, if you really want to steal a car, club ain't gonna stop you. But if I'm going to break into two different cars or, or steal two different cars, I see one with and one without the club. I'm a criminal. I'm going without the club. It exactly. just makes my job a little easier, you know? So, Think so like yeah. a thief. Thank you, Matt Handy. Yes. Maybe we'll title this episode, Think Like a Thief. Think Like a Thief. I like that. But, I was um, either going to call it that or Over the Pants Handy. Yeah, I've never... Well, that's not a good one. <laughs> yeah, I've never broken into a car myself, but if I were to, I'd definitely look in the windows to see if there's anything I wanted first, and that's what they do. Dude, remember so. when dudes used to have... Um, CD books, it'd be like a hundred yeah. CDs, and they would get their cars broken to. You just and back then, when a CD yeah. cost 10, 15 bucks, hundred of those, you're talking about fifteen hundred dollars oh, yeah, your music for going. Sure. It's like someone steals your phone, that sucks dick, but you get your music back because it's in the cloud now. Yeah, don't give them the opportunities. So. Yeah, don't leave it on your fucking seat, bro, dude. You know the the things. Maybe they have in Utah and Cali. The big the um, they put them in like the windshields to block the sun so it doesn't heat your car up. Okay, yeah. My like boy the told me he's like, even use those at night when if you park out. Just it minimizes the viewing into your car. People can't see what's in there. The less light. He's from LA, mm-hmm. and I do it. I, you know, if he was a kid who moved here from like Ohio, I probably wouldn't listen to him. But he was born and raised here, so I do that. I've never. I've only had once my car got broken into in Boston, and it didn't yeah. get broke. It got broken into like yours. They didn't break my window. They stole a Garmin uh, GPS and maybe a dollar and quarters, and that was it. But they didn't go to my glove compartment. It was like quick. Yeah. I might have even left the car unlocked. I don't know, but like they didn't go through any of my shit. Yeah. And uh, and there were sunglasses. They weren't yeah. Gucci vintage, but this person popped the trunk. Even I, oh, wow. I thought this was bold. Now that seems like it very did. in depth. It did. It did. It was. Uh, it kind of bummed me out. But yeah, dude, it's a violation of your personal space. Yeah. It's like having your house broken into. You feel naked. Yeah, and I don't even know everything they took because they just took everything that was in there. Shit. <laughs> Lock your cars, kids. Yep. Don't leave anything in your car you don't, don't want be stolen. St- I've had. You know how many DJs. Have had their laptops on. Now this is this is the thing. That's like you leaving a hundred pairs of sunglasses in your seat. Yeah. Your DJ, your laptop is is essentially more important than your turntables now because you could borrow someone else's tables. You need the music that's on your laptop. I wouldn't leave my. That's like if I had a typewriter now, I type on a computer. But like For whatever. Sure. You know, you leaving your all your sunglasses, your most vital thing 
in the car. If you were like a construction worker and you left your laptop, it makes a little more sense to me. But a construction worker didn't leave his fucking hammer and his saw there. Yeah. All my DJ friends that have happened, this happened to them. Why are you leaving your laptops in vehicles of major cities? Yeah, and I'm, I'm the same way with my laptop. If something happened to that, I'd be out of business for a while. Yeah, I mean, dude, it would fuck my whole game up. I'd mainly just be upset about all the saved passwords I have, you know, because who remembers your passwords these days? Oh, Christ. So dude. if I had to get a new computer and remember 20 different passwords, I'd Shoot be me, really hate myself. Shoot me. You know, man, I got to say, I'm a little hurt from earlier. You didn't say anything about the sunglasses I was wearing earlier. I thought you might have dug them. I have to show them to you again. Maybe they're just not on your level. I was below a caliber of yours. You didn't even like them. You didn't even notice them. I might as well have had no sunglasses on. Wow. Well, I'm like I've... a housewife with a new haircut and the husband doesn't recognize. I think I may have just been excited to see you, Jake. Oh, I apologize. you were looking into my soul I, yeah, instead yeah, of that. I apologize. House. I've always <laughs> known you for someone with good sunglass style, though, and big, big aviator I'll, frames. I'll show you, you like. them. I, I like would be curious to see what a man of your sunglass expertise thinks about them. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna show you these these places where you could meet these or at least shop and meet these guys because their shit's so dope. We gotta go. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I uh, That's one of the best things about Los Angeles is just all the small stores and boutiques and you can find random things here you won't find anywhere else. Wrap around Oakley's, yay or nay? All right, y'all. This episode of the Damaged Goods Podcast is brought to you by Elite Botanicals. And now from Elite Botanicals comes Elite's Health and Wellness CBD Soft Gels. 75, that's right, 75 milligrams per capsule. All cannabinoid-rich hemp plants cultivated, extracted, and formulations completed by Elite Botanicals in their farms and in their labs to ensure that you are receiving the highest quality product. In addition to the 75 milligrams of active compounds from the organic whole plant hemp extract, their gel caps are formulated with refined organic hemp seed oil with over 77% of essential fatty acids. This includes 400 milligrams of omega-6, omega-3, and omega-9 in a perfectly balanced ratio per capsule. I'm on tour with Slayer. I jacked my leg up skateboarding a few days before, my knee and my leg, killing me. I, I use CBD stuff. I tend to find it works sometimes for me, helping with pain. It's killing me out there. I get this elite botanical shit. Boom. Dude, really works. Not snake oil like a lot of these other brands. You're getting 75 milligrams per capsule. Like, I actually felt it go away so I could do my dang job. You buy some of these, you might buy a 100 milligram bag of CBD gummies. You're piecing that out, what, 20 milligrams per day, five days? It's not doing anything, especially if you're a big guy. You need more milligram dosage. This is the most affordable brand with this in a high concentration, and it works. I swear and buy it. That's why it's here as a sponsor, Elite Botanicals. Check them out at EliteBotanicals.com or your leading retailer.